Blog Talk Radio. Well, it appears we have a little bit of a glitch at the beginning of the show here. This is Marnie. Sorry about that. Thank you for joining us. Not sure where. There it is. (laughs) Okay, and it's gone again. (laughs) This is Marnie. I love technology when it works, and when it doesn't, we just go with the flow, and that's one of the things that we are always learning every single day of our lives, aren't we, to just go with the flow, do whatever we can in the moment, give all the glory and praise to Jesus, and keep on moving. So this is Marty Swedberg. Welcome to you. You're joining us today for Perspective Transformation with our awesome guest, Blythe Daniel and Dr. Helen McIntosh, authors of a new book called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. I'm so excited to share these ladies with you, as well as this information about how to move our relationships out of trouble and into an area of peace and calm and joy and love. So during this hour, you are going to discover why mother-daughter relationships can be so uniquely challenging and also find hope for your future, what to say when you don't know what to say, the concept of untaking and how it can help, how to share your heart without shoving it on each other, how to look at your roles through different lenses to bring clarity and healing, why no permission means no advice, the big C's, how to repair breaches in the relationship, how to work together to break family strongholds, and the one thing you can always do that will always help. I'm excited to introduce you right now to our guest. First of all, Blythe Daniel is a literary agent and marketer. Um, She is a a friend of mine. Welcome, Blythe. Thank you so much. (laughs) Love to have you here. And Dr. Helen McIntosh is your mom. And Helen, welcome to you. Thank you, Marnie. It's so fun to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to have you guys and to get to pick your brain about this amazing um, topic of mended restoring the hearts of mothers and daughters. So, first of all, whose idea was the book? <laughs> it was really both of ours. We had talked about writing a book together, and you know, our heart was to not just share the good things in our relationship, but also the the troubled waters that my mom had been in with her mom, and and the areas in our relationship that we needed repairs. So it really was both of us. We just needed to wait, wait for the right timing. And so often things like this, um, it's all about timing and how God opens doors. So, yeah, I would say it was both of us. That's yeah. really fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Helen, did you have something you wanted to add there? You know, just yesterday I had a mental picture of a second conversation that Blythe and I had. Blythe, that was at the North Pole there, just beyond Cascade there in Colorado. I remember us sitting there. Isn't that a funny place to be talking about relationships and repair? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, it, it has been a process, but we have long, I think our hearts just long for other people to experience the recovery and restoration that we have 
it, it's a good thing. So why do you think that mother-daughter relationships are so uniquely challenging? Boy, I tell you, you know, women living in the same household or, or even outside of that, we have such strong opinions, don't we? We are strong in our voices and in our desires. And so, you know, when you when you gather two women together, we have strong wills and we have desires. And women are, let's just say it, they're a little bit more emotional than maybe men. And so you, you gather those emotions together in a setting where um, – it's just it's just an opportunity for there to be conflict and control and volatility and so we we do believe that as much of the potential is there for that that there's also the greater potential for there to be restoration because of the way that God mends our hearts the way that he as only he can do bridges us back together hmm. yeah yeah so um, one of the things I really liked in your book is you talked about what to say when you don't know what to say. And maybe, Helen, I'm going to pass this one to you. How do you answer? First of all, um, is there like an overall rule <laughs> that we can just say, this is, this is what you do in the moment when you don't know what to say something, this is what you do? I think being gracious and kind and uh, honest it's a wonderful thing but uh, honesty can sometimes hurt if it's not done well and I hear people say all the time well truth is important but haven't we all seen people use truth as a weapon and we are not encouraging that at all so I'd have to say what we've tried to do is we built in dozens and dozens of conversations that you can have to help restore we we purpose for them to be very gracious and not hurt so in this case Marnie I think you know if you don't know what to say it's a wonderful thing to just be so humble really and open and just say to the mother or daughter you know I don't know what to say but I can say that I want repair, and what do you think we need to do to make things better? So that mm. simple question is leaving yourself open for their input, and it's just absolutely remarkable what happens next. I have heard countless stories of people that have been experimenting with our language, <laughs> and they have just marveled at how God just, stepped right in. Mm. Live, how about you? You know, I think, like Mom said, just being honest and sometimes just admitting what is going on between you and, and just to say that I see you're upset. Can we talk? Our relationship is more important than this thing between us. Or, you know, kind of admitting what you see there instead of dancing around it or skirting around it, it's, it's just to be able to say I can see that this has pained you I can I can see that I didn't say the right thing can we start again that's what I would say Hmm. yeah yeah so um one of the things that you guys teach in this book is a concept called untaking so maybe Blythe why don't you introduce that concept to us Sure. You know, really what we are referring to here is untaking the responsibility 
of the other person um, because we aren't responsible for someone else's actions, are we? We're only responsible for ours. And so the first thing that we want to be able to do is to own our part of, um, of what our responsibilities are, our relationship with the other person. And this is one of the hardest sentences that we will ever say, and that is that it's my, it was my fault. But it is a sign of maturity to be able to own what is your responsibility. It, it really starts the healing process, and it doesn't focus on the other person. It focuses on us. And so, um, you know, you might even want to be able to say, I misunderstood or I made a mistake. Um, and, and really it's to humble ourselves. James 4.10 states that we're to humble ourselves, yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Um, so when you humble yourself, you're essentially saying to God, I recognize your presence over my own. And so that's step one. And then step, step two would be to ask God to show you some of your responsibilities in the relationship. Um, it's just not a good idea for us to presume what our role is as a mother or daughter, um, especially as our children age and there's that tendency to want to pull apart from the mom um, or a mom um, not wanting to pull apart from her daughter. And so um, it's helpful to, to really be able to ask myself, you know, am I trying to come too close? Am I getting pushback from my daughter because I've been trying to see her too much and, and see the grandchildren more than she wants me to? Or do I not put limits on my time with the grandchildren or what they do when they come visit me? And, you know, so it's really helpful to just self-assess what our roles are and how the other one sees us. Hmm. And then the third thing is to get an idea of whether, you know, you really are to be in the relationship more or less um, in your role of, you know, maybe you're to serve your mother, or, I'm sorry, your daughter more, or maybe your daughter needs more help from you, or maybe she needs less. And maybe you're a planner. Maybe that back to number two, the role, maybe you like to plan, but your daughter feels really smothered by you planning so much. And so, you know, it, it might be even just a question of, like, how would you need me to serve you in these upcoming weeks with, when you start your new job? Or how do you see me being a person who serves you rather than stresses you? So mm. it's some of these conversations that we think can help open the door to, to really having some healing between you. And, um, you know, even as a daughter, then, you might say to your mother, do you know how I see you? sharing in my life right now, uh, not by how much time I see, but by the quality of our visits, or, or, or this is kind of brave, but to say to a mother or mother-in-law, I really appreciate it when you do blank, but it, but it doesn't feel good when you do blank or when you say blank to me. Um, so again, as mom said earlier, it's just really being humble and honest in a way that invites conversation instead of separating the two of you further back into the spaces that you've been in. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how to express our hearts without shoving it on each other. And um, I'm not quite sure how to go about this one. I have some thoughts myself. So why don't we all three of us share here? First, Helen, why don't you address that? Okay, I'd love to. Um, sadly, our culture uh, has gotten stuck in the mother sort of being a lecturer, you know, do this, do that. And I just about cringe sometimes when I'm out in the world um, shopping or whatever and overhear conversations because 
when when a mom is so didactic in that way, the real message is, you know, I have to tell you these things because otherwise you wouldn't get it. In other words, that's the underlying unspoken message. But sadly, if we, I would say most of the unresolved conflict out there between mothers and daughters of any age is just that nagging, lecturing stream <laughs> that comes. So one of the one most wonderful gifts that we can do is to um, change the way that we transfer information. So um, we have built some wonderful sentences in the book to suggest um, uh, some ways to do it. And mostly it is asking the other person what they would like to see or hear from you to make things better. And often daughters will then share, yes, mom, if if you could do this, that would help our relationship or this. So that's our hope. And I would say, I'll give you a practical example of that where my mom came to me um, and started asking the question, is it okay for me to share with you my thoughts or is it okay if I give you some input? And I've been using that with my daughters because they're preteen and sometimes they just want to talk to me and tell me what happened at school that day. And then other times um, I'm not quite sure if they were looking for something from me. So it's a safe way of one of asking, should we go deeper here? It, it basically, we're not saying that, but we're saying, is it okay for me to share with you my thoughts or did you want to hear what I think about this? So that's where the sharing comes in versus shoving it and automatically saying, <laughs> well, I think you should have done such and such. You know, like we really want to invite ourselves in to the conversation. Yeah, and I was thinking about um, years ago, I had a, a really close friend. She's a very godly friend. But when I would talk to her about my very close relationship with God, it would make her uncomfortable. She had more of a like a Lutheran background. And so mm-hmm. the fact that God would speak to me in my spirit would make her uncomfortable. And I just immediately, um, not immediately, but as soon as I realized it, I thought, oh, okay, I don't need to share that particular thing with her. It makes her uncomfortable. Uh, we can talk about everything else in the whole world, but we'll shelter her there when that makes her uncomfortable. And it was just within a period of a couple of days that I realized I could do that with my family as well. I didn't have to take my family places they didn't want to go just because I was experiencing it. And I really feel like that's what we're talking about here. We do really want to share. I mean, if we have a close relationship, we just want to share everything. <laughs> and Some mm-hmm. people in our life are not built or equipped or prepared to receive everything we have. <laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that mom brought out so brilliantly in the book is that sometimes we try to be empathetic. Like we can say, oh, well, you know, I've, I've experienced that too. And what it feels like sometimes to the other person is it minimizes what they're going through because we're trying, we were trying to be showing them that we've gone through that as well and, and offer from what we've gone through, but to the other person, it feels like we're trying to equal out what we've been through with what they're going through, and it doesn't always equal out, so it gets a little dicey to then, you know, immediately share our experience that we've had to try and make them feel better. It can actually do the opposite. 
Yeah. And there's I, sort I, of a... Yeah, go ahead. Um, this is Helen, and I, I just would pitch out a five-second rule, <laughs> and that would be after your uh, mother or daughter has shared something that maybe you'd like to pile on, um, you might want to wait five seconds or more and really consider um, what to say next. And we do encourage mothers and daughters to ask the other one, you know, may I share some feedback and get their permission before you um, share anything. But a time delay helps a great deal, doesn't it, Blythe? It does, yeah. It's interesting when you say that. Now, I remember my mom and I were having trouble. She's passed now, but my mom and I were having trouble back in my 30s, and um, I, I was really getting frustrated. And I said something at one point that made her sad. And she said, um, she thought about it for a little bit. And then she said to me, she said, you know, it would really help, Marnie, if when you're going to say something like that, if you would just come and put your arm around me and say, I love you, Mom, I've noticed, mm. or whatever. And it, was, it really changed our relationship. It really helped a lot to have a little bit of a buffer there and to... Uh, allow allow some compassion before the hard word was said. And I mean, I don't even know, maybe, I don't know how many times I ever used it, not very many, but it did change. It changed me in how I was reacting to her and it changed how she received it when I needed to say something. Mm. Yes. Body That's really good. Huge. Body language is very huge. Yes. That's excellent. Well, and I yeah, think what's the other good thing about I'm that yeah, uh, let me just finish uh, this thought, and then we'll come back yeah. to yours, too. The other thing I've noticed, like, in my marriage relationship um, is that a prayer a prayer first together kind of levels the playing field. And when you can do that with your um, mom or daughter, that can really help a lot, too, because both of you just realize you're just sinners saved by grace. And, you know, so, so there's really nobody one-upping or whatever at that point. You just have this uh, good visual of where you are when you start into a, maybe a, a conversation that's a little more difficult. Blythe, what was your thought there? Yeah, this goes along with what you just said both times. And Marnie, and what that is, is that it changes the atmosphere. When you can take the focus off of, let's say, you're going back and forth in conversation, and maybe the conversation's not moving in the direction that you'd like it to, to even be able to put your hand on the other person. Like you said, you went over and gave your mom a hug, which is just a beautiful expression. If, if someone's not able to do that, maybe, it's, um, maybe they're even talking by the phone, they could just pause and just say, you know, one of the things that I appreciate the most about you is blank. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it might seem kind of odd to do that in the middle, but you know what? It does change the atmosphere when they see us drawing close to them. Um, and the same thing with the prayer. Like, that's a totally great idea because it, it puts the focus on God and um, what he's capable of doing in your relationship. And so I love this, what you guys are talking about as far as putting some space and putting some actions into your exchanges because it does change the atmosphere. I love that. I want us to look now. You have kind of an interesting um, exercise you have us do on page 89 of the book, and it helps us to look at role, our roles through different lenses to bring clarity and healing. So maybe Helen introduce us to that exercise. 
the job description. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I'll let you go into that. That's good. Well, I I tell you, um, it's real important to um, put your description somewhere that you can see it. Um, our our um, default button is one that blurs <laughs> the description that we have in mind, and um, it's real important what our to remember our job and what our job is not. And for instance, it's not my job to fix blight or vice versa, but it is my job to connect with her and to take responsibility for the things that are mine. And so that's the general flavor of what we mean by job description. Yeah, so let me jump in and just... Yeah, let me just jump in and read here a little bit off of page 89. So making it personal, write your job description. How often do you get to write the job description you want to have? Well, now's your chance. What if you were to write what you are responsible for, only you? Not what your mother or daughter is responsible for, but what you are responsible for. If it would help you to write what you are not responsible for, you can do that as well. So you guys are just encouraging us to just take some time you know, I call them, I call them mission visions, you know, where you sit down and you just think, okay, what, what is this supposed to look like? What is this all about? What is it? I love the, what's my responsibility, not what's her responsibility. Just what am I going to take responsibility for? And I go back, to, I'm thinking right now, second Corinthians nine, where it talks about God loves a cheerful giver. And honestly, it is what you've said here. It is our choice, what we're going to do. I mean, there are moms that do things and daughters that do things radically different from anybody else we've ever met. It's kind of like, what does your house look like at Christmas? Not like anybody else's. It's your house. It looks like your house it's because that's what you chose to do. And in this relationship, this job description idea is really cool. Thank you. You know, we we really want there to be practical steps for people to take when they've read our book, Mended, because you know, we can read a lot about how relationships should go, but if we don't have the tools to navigate how to get there, um, it feels just like another research project. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, just being able to – one of the popular phrases in our culture right now is stay in your lane, and, and I think that really applies to this idea of when we are clear on what our responsibility is and what it's not, we can stay in our lane. And we've even said on the page prior to that that – if you sense the other person coming into your lane, that you would have a signal between you to be able to say, <laughs> you know, Mom, that feels like you're coming into my area, or vice versa. Because, again, just staying honest with each other and being able to say, um, I mean, this is particularly true of, of moms who want to help their daughters when they're raising their young children. And mm. I remember my mom coming to me and, and um, wanting to share some, some words. And at first I felt like it was making me feel like, I wasn't doing it right or I didn't I didn't have enough experience which was true or I didn't know enough but what but what I learned to appreciate was her experience and um, there's a lot of experience and wisdom to be gained um, it's all in how it, it gets you know told and, and shown so I could have said mom I think you need to stay over in that lane with that particular idea that you just shared uh, I appreciate it but I feel like that's my responsibility and so, you know, these, these conversations are really 
hard sometimes, but so important to keep the relationship alive and good. Yeah. How did you guys ever get to the point, like, was there was there a point in time when you went, wow, this is so freeing to be able to really talk to each other? I think, yes, we count as a gift all the time, don't we, Blythe? We really do. I mean, Mom, can you think of a time, a real specific time? Maybe it was when I went off to college? You know, I, I think what I was thinking about was just in a day-to-day um, conversation with you, Blythe, when you come to Georgia and visit. I, my friends tell me later that they are stunned by the ease with which we maneuver and talk mm. and move and work, and it's just it's such an easy, um, relaxed relationship. There's no... Um, anxiety, no tenseness to it. So on a day-to-day basis, it just works so well. And Marnie, there was another word picture that we give earlier in the book um, about staying in your own lane. Only we call it um, bumped pups. And if you could visualize some pups with two pups with a heart drawn on each one, um, that is those that's you each cup represents um a mother and a, and then the other is the daughter and when they bump what comes out of the cup is their stuff <laughs> it you, you don't uh consider anybody's issues but yours and i love the verse in proverbs 4:23 that says guard your heart with all diligence we're out of it flows the issues of life. And we really do encourage people to use that visual, that drawing or real-life examples to help you know what is your responsibility and what is not. So many people say, you make me so angry. Well, no. The truth is they may have bumped your cup, but what comes out of your cup is yours. <laughs> So that's a visual that we love to share. Yeah, that's really cool. I want to talk next about permission. We've been talking about it, but you actually have a phrase in your book that goes like this. No permission means no advice. Um, So the little child is running out into the street in front of the truck and the mom grabs her and pulls her back because that's what moms do. (laughs) Now we have adult moms and daughters, (laughs) daughters running out in front of a truck. What (laughs) is the mom to do? (laughs) Well, you know, um, often, we want to give advice because we, we feel like we're good advice givers and that we, we want to prevent those types of train wrecks, so to say, or running out in the street moments or choices that our kids make that we know is going to hurt them. And often we do this, we give advice because it helps us to feel better about ourselves. It makes us really settle into our job description a little bit more, doesn't it? Um, but really the unsolicited advice, especially from a mom to a daughter, feels punitive and invasive often because we didn't ask for it. And in fact, you know, um, really asking 
so this idea of asking permission before giving some advice or input or feedback is really the key to the, the relationship that doesn't feel like the other person is too involved in your life or, or trying to tell you what to do. Um, and so one thing that um, that I like to, to say to my kids is, hey, you know, especially when it comes to talking about some girl issues uh, with my, my preteen, you know, I, I, I've given her some thoughts because I went through those same issues as a, as a young girl. And I say to her, you know, after I ask, is it okay for mommy to share my, my thoughts on this? And then if she says yes, and then I share with her, then I, I could say even, you know, if this feels right and you want to you wanna think about this, then great. But if it doesn't feel right, then let it go. And I've often given her some, some ideas of what she can say to the other person. But I've always tried to preface it with, you know, if, if this feels like something that you want to say or if it feels good to say it, then then feel free, but if not, it's okay. Because I want her to know she doesn't have to do everything I say. Um, I want her to make her decisions at the same time. Helen? Yes. You know, even if there is a, a resistance, um, it's, it's a really sweet thing to even go back at a later time. It means so much to a, a child, especially if they can tell their mom has been thinking about what happened and you can go back an hour later or a day later and say, you know, I've been thinking so much about what you shared. Could I share mm. such and such? And it just means so much to them by and large. It's just, it's just wonderful. Mm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I like the, um, you know, as I'm as I'm thinking about it right now, as we're talking about it, no permission means no advice, but it doesn't mean that you can't ask for permission. And most likely, I think I think what you said is really good. If there's any hesitation at all, you know, to just give it a little space is probably a great idea. Uh, a lot of times, I think where we get in trouble in the relationship is that there's a high emotion running, and then we mm-hmm. do something that maybe is always kind of a challenge for the other person in that moment. And it's just hard to receive it because the emotions are so high. And if those can settle down a bit, mm-hmm. interesting. You yeah. Know, it's, it's interesting too, because I think one of the biggest gifts that we can give in, to our daughters or to our moms even is to, to ask questions, to clarify what the needs are. Cause you know, sometimes um, they might be thinking of something completely different and we want to, we start in on, you know, this topic and their mind is in a completely different space. So if we can get them to talk and find out, well, what is it boiling down to? What is, what are the real needs here? Then we can ask, Hey, is it okay if I share, you know, cause you're asking questions to figure out, you know, what's the best way to, to handle this. Um, and it feels so much better than just starting in and saying, well, let me tell you what you should do. Um, again, that, that, that really automatically shuts down relationships when the other person doesn't want to hear that necessarily from you. So I think, like you said, Marnie, it's, it's not that we're saying you can't give advice. We're just trying to, ask, we're trying to say we don't call it advice. We say, am I okay with me giving a suggestion? Just a really different way of phrasing this question. <laughs> this is Marnie. I think what's, real, what's coming to my mind now is I have a real strong personality, and so uh, – Early on in my adult life, I realized that I, I would often overwhelm people uh, with 
just coming in, even asking a question could be just overwhelming to them. So I learned to temper all that, and I would always start my conversations. If I was going to ask something for, of someone or share something, I would just say, I would just say, now, you don't have to say yes to this. I'm just checking, you know, and I would just do this whole long <laughs> introductory yes. part to let them know. Yeah, right. And then after a, after a while, I, be, I became more able to temper actually um, how I was coming across in general to have it not be so intimidating uh, to people. And a lot of times in the relationship, I feel like that, that is kind of a historical thing that we have with each other. And if one of us is, you know, a very uh, strong personality compared to the other, you know, it just needs additional space, additional caution. It's wonderful. Great. Mm -hmm. Really good. The funniest illustration I have of this before we go on, I was just remembering this. I haven't thought about this for years. I was driving a little tracker, um, which is just like a little Jeep. And I went down to the lakefront when we lived in Warroad, Minnesota. I, I drove down to the lakefront one morning early, and I was the only one there. It was just so early, and it was quiet. And I came in, and the sun was coming up, so there was a little bit of light. But the whole parking lot was full of seagulls. And so I came zooming into the parking lot with my in my tracker and all of these seagulls just lifted up like all of them lifted up at once just terrified of this car coming at them at full speed and I wasn't going to hit any of them but I was coming I was coming fast enough that it terrified them I'm sure and as they were going up into the air blind and hell and it was so funny because God spoke to my heart and he said I never want you to do that to a person ever oh wow <laughs> yeah I know it was a, quite a picture for me of how I could just with the strong personality God gave me, I could just roll over people and not even know I did it, you know, or it might even feel very powerful or fun even. Uh, so just to remember how we're built and mm-hmm. that it matters to the people around us. Well, even if and it doesn't take long play. for one. Oh, go ahead, mom. Oh, I bet we're on the same track. <laughs> I was just going to say that if and when you misspoke, in other words, when you spoke up that it didn't go well or you didn't do it um, as you intended, the most beautiful next lesson is asking forgiveness, is saying, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. And that <laughs> helps to restore the relationship. So it's fabulous. Yeah. Blythe, I think that is what you were going to say. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, you know, too, I think what you're talking about, Marnie, is so good because it really is measuring our personality and the way we communicate with the other person and their method of communication. I I will even say that um, sometimes I can have a conversation with one daughter and it's it's, um, in her room where it's quiet and we can we can talk there. But the other daughter doesn't really open up as much to me unless we're out driving around where she doesn't have mm-hmm. to look at me. So it's, I really discovered what's the best time and place, more so the place even, um, to communicate mm-hmm. those, those things. And, and for some people listening, maybe it's writing an email or a letter or a text message. Maybe that's the starting point for you. Maybe having a conversation with your mom or your daughter right now seems really difficult, like that she may not even – want to talk to me she may not even pick up the phone she may not answer the door but what we're really trying to encourage people is to take that first step to initiate whatever that feels good you know to do whatever that looks like for you um, that's what we're encouraging women to do 
so cool and such a it's such an important place to pause and just look at this and say what's my part here what can I do differently mm-hmm. I want to address what uh, mm-hmm. chapter eight is chapter eight is called resisting the seas like the letter C resisting the seas changing and controlling your mother or daughter um, first of all um, change and control sound very bad but change is so part of life um, we are everything's changing all the time and being in control like when you're driving a car is really important so these have a positive side to them when is it that we step over the positive angles of change and control into one that is disruptive or detrimental to the relationship i think we sense it if we're if we're tracking with the lord uh, uh he is so drilled into my heart the principle of letting go and so when I sense that I'm not letting go of a situation um, and uh, giving it to him I I realize that control is is in high gear what, what do you think Blythe? You know, I think you're right, and I think, as I've heard moms call it before, when you're white-knuckling, you know, when you're holding on to something mm-hmm. so tight. And um, and then I think for the word change, you know, what there is a lot of change in our culture, and, and there's things that, you know, young adults are facing now that, you know, mom and, and I didn't even have to face uh, as a growing up um, teenager and such. I think what we're referring to is that we're trying to change another person, we try and change their behavior or we try and change what they wear, what they look like. And so when we, when we are being controlling and when we are trying to change the other person, um, that's where it gets dangerous because what that signals is that you're not acceptable like you are, or you, um, you don't have, you don't have it all together. And so I need to help you and I'm going to do that through, these different ways, which really is just about control. You know, we might want to, we offer maybe to go shopping for them, but really we want them to, to pick up what we want for them. And so those subtle things, so sometimes it's not even an overt change, controlling or trying to change them, but it's more subtle. And that's where we have to be on guard for that type of mentality. Exactly. I have so, a story about that with yeah, my daughter. I'll just share real quickly. Um, <laughs> I have a funny story in the book where that I talk about where um, I had been trying to get my girls to wear um, certain clothes to church because I thought they would look more presentable. And one weekend I was out of town and my husband got them ready and they picked me up at the airport after they had been to church. And my younger daughter, who was about eight at the time, was wearing biker shorts with a Star Wars t-shirt that was too small. So picture when they picked me up, I thought, oh, no, this is what she wore to church. And I wanted, I, I did think about what did all those people think that I didn't know how to dress my children that day. But I realized that the signal, the, the message that I was sending to them, the signal was that it, it's more important what you wear to church then about who you're worshiping and how you're worshiping. And I, and I backed off and now they can wear whatever they want to wear because I realized I was controlling and trying to change them in that instance. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. And the reality is that because we are all growing and changing and learning and just, um, 
you know, developing in our relationship with God and with life, there's going to always be something that we can pick on. I mean, it's just, if you look, there's something that somebody else is doing that they could do better. I mean, they're just, if Mm -hmm. if we're going to be there. So then to, to pull that back and say, why do I feel the need to change or control this? What is about me that's making me feel like this is so important for me to change or control this? But it's a great point. Oh, excuse me, Vi. No, go ahead. It's a great point of freedom, isn't it, when when you let go of trying to change someone? It is a sense of freedom. And it's also, I think, what we're doing by letting go, as Mom said earlier, is that sometimes it's about our reflection. It's about what we think we should do. And so what would make us look better. And so maybe maybe we operate out of a place of, I wish that I had done this as a young girl. I wish this had been available to me, so I'm going to, you know, do this for my daughter or say this to my mom because I wish this is how it had been before. So sometimes it's really a reflection of what we want, not even so much about what's best for the other, but about our own desires. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, I've gotten caught on this on both sides. On the one side, I didn't want to be embarrassed um, by what they were doing. I didn't want to feel, you know, like bad, like uh, that, that this was my fault and therefore I need to feel bad about it. And on the other side, sometimes I was too proud of them and I took ownership of something they did because it made me so excited and happy about it. And both of those things are about me, not about, not about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Helen, talk to us about repairing breaches. Um, they're they're going to happen. They're going to come. So, what would you what 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 is your advice for us? <laughs> well, um, pray for God to show you what the landmines are in your family. I think first to pray and just ask Him to clarify and to tag the issues or strongholds that your family has because we don't want to be blind about our target, do we? And mm-hmm. so um, the first thing for repairing breaches would be God help. And um, it, I was sharing with Slice yesterday. It seems like our society um, has, there's some desensitization. Um, we've gotten, we've normalized non-communication and normalize so many breaches that are in families. So to ask for God to clarify would be a huge gift. So Mm. that would be number one. Um, I would say important to me is um, continuing to remember that the things that we focus on, we will repeat. That is a real behavior um, pattern for us throughout history, whatever we focus on, we tend to repeat. We just like ducks and dogs, we we will repeat that. So we we need to flush out these breaches. And one of the most important verses, <clears throat> I think that um, we face with any stronghold is Second um, Corinthians ten three through five, where God says. It's important to bring all of our thoughts captive. So another prayer would be, God, 
you know, show me what needs bringing that good. Um, so that's the best starting place in the world. And then when you get to a place with other, the one in your family, the mother or the daughter, <clears throat> it would be important to ask them if you all could work together to repair this, this certain breach and ask them what other breaches they feel like need repair. So it's wonderful to begin to invite them into the conversation and into what happened. What do you think, Bly? Yeah, I, I think you've named all the things that I would have shared. And, you know, I think the the big point, as Mom said, is just becoming aware of the, the path that um, you've walked with your mother you know, that it's not what you necessarily want for yourself or for your daughter. And it would really take some digging in to just say, you know, where do I want to take a different path um, than what was done for me? And so identifying where things went wrong, perhaps, um, you know, we want to bring these things into the light because if we don't address them, if we just keep on hoping that things will get better, um, the likelihood that it will without bringing it into the light and, and the light I'm referring to Jesus um, that's really the only hope, and I love how um, this is so portrayed in John eight twelve, and it says, "Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, i 'I'm the light of the world, and you know he who follows me will not walk in darkness.' So we are to, as Mom said, bring ask God to show us what to bring to the light. What are the things that we need to look at? Um, because you know a child of of the light can't operate in darkness, and and I think it's so healthy for families to to realize that they don't have to repeat those patterns. Um, we we have some prayers in the book that can help pinpoint more specifically for someone what those things, how do you start a prayer, how do you recognize those things. But but that's the overall feel or tone is, is to is to ask the Lord to help you see the things that you're not even aware of. Maybe they're so buried in your heart, but he's good about bringing things up to the surface. And he'll Go start ahead. with you first, won't he? Our, our, <laughs> right? Yeah. He'll start with us. Before he starts with the family, <laughs> the um, book by Evelyn Christensen from the I don't know 1960s or something. It's an old book but called Lord Change Me. Went through that so many times, and um, how it always starts with us. If we're gonna, if we're gonna see a real, and I'm gonna call it revival. If we're gonna see a real heart change, a real difference in the relationship, it is gonna start with us. We're going to first. Mm-hmm. Do what we were talking about at the beginning of the program, which is humble ourselves, um, kind of uh, respond with kindness and grace instead of a self-centered response. So there's a chapter in here about strongholds, two family strongholds, and we've kind of touched on it, but I want to just give it a couple more moments because honestly, there's some there are some things that are passed down generation to generation that unless again uh, like a breach, unless it's addressed. And brought into the light, I love that. I have a saying that goes, um, everything in the light, so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark. And I just love to, even though it's painful to bring things into the light, sometimes that's not what we want to do. <laughs> but there's so much benefit to doing that. Helen, address the concept of a family stronghold. Yes. <laughs> We've all seen the signs in yards it says do not walk in the grass and <laughs> what do people do they walk there's a path 
uh, they they do walk in that place. And I, I've described strongholds always as a worn path. In other words, it's something that is done over and over and over and over again that the person seems um, resistant to change or can't change for some reason. So a stronghold, an example would be um, anger or anxiety or depression or um, alcohol addiction or uh, or it could be other drugs or an addiction of self-pride. It's they. There are countless, countless names, mm-hmm. but whatever seems to be a, a difficult habit in a family, and I, I think it would be handfuls of of habits. But you might want to start um, with the one that has plagued your family the most. I would start with the hardest one and go to God and and thank Him for revealing the name the tag on this stronghold for your family and then begin to pray repenting on behalf of the whole family. And I, Marnie, I just love to hear my wife pray. Uh, She's one of the Mm. best prayers in the world. Could you give an example of praying off a stronghold for one family? Sure. You know what? Yeah. How about how about if you just go ahead and lead us in a prayer right now? Just go ahead and pray for um, uh, your mom and you and me and our listening audience today. Just go ahead and pray for us all. Okay, great. Uh, I'll start with the generational, and then I'll love to pray a covering over these these listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, we're going to start. So, Father God, in the name, power, authority, and shed blood of Jesus, I pray off all generational strongholds in my family. I pray to the tearing down of these generational patterns that have come into my family, and I I stop them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I recognize and put an end to the damaging behaviors and thoughts and emotions that have come through my family line, and I'll not allow those to continue in my generation. I receive the blood covering of the Lord Jesus Christ over me and over my relationships. And um, Father God, I also just want to pray for those that are listening for their mothers and daughters for Father God for you to fill those relationships with new life and for your um, your spirit to move in through those relationships to show the mothers and the daughters what it is that they can initiate with each other that would bring closer relationship and a deeper connection and Father that you would guard our hearts from anything that would interfere in our relationships and as soon as something comes in that we can recognize it and say to the other person this feels like what I'm sensing from you, but I don't think that's what you mean. Or, Father, that you would help us to be brave and bold in our conversations and to go to those places that are harder to address and be willing to go there because we know that you're going to show up for us there. So, God, we give you our relationships. We thank you for the gifts of mothers and daughters. Thank you that you desire that we be restored, that you would allow us and cause us to be able to reconcile our differences. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Dr. Helen, I am going to ask that you also pray a prayer of blessing over our listeners today. This is a special Mother's Day program, and I think it's a real unique opportunity we have right here. So go ahead. <laughs> I'd love to. Oh, Father, also in the name, power, and authority of our wonderful Savior, Jesus, we come to you and thank you 
for um, being daughters, first of all, and Father, for those who are um, mothers by birthing children, we ask a, a supernatural blessing on them in the coming days, and especially for mothers, sorry, for women that have not birthed children but are mothers in our neighborhoods and in our community, we pray a supernatural blessing for them. Father, we pray most of all that um, we would let go of any expectations for this weekend. Mother's Day is so hard for so many because of the expectations that their family maybe isn't celebrating them or that they are detached from their family or they have not birth children they had hoped for. <laughs> the holiday is so fraught with difficult issues, so my heart um, is broken for, for them, and we pray a special anointing, Father, on the women that might still be in distress. And so, Father, would you help us to bring restoration first to our own hearts but then to those around us, help us to be sensitive to the mothers or daughters around us that need our, our kindness. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. That was awesome. I'm going to let you each close with a favorite Bible verse here in just a moment, uh, a verse that's maybe a life verse for you or one that is especially applicable when you think of your relationship with your mom and daughter. But before we do, I just wanted to, earlier in the show, we talked about how to um, serve without stressing out the other person, how to share without shoving ourselves on the other person. And I just love these, uh, you know, these pictures that we've gotten here today about how to actually have a relationship. I, I love the picture of your relationship where your friends say it's just amazing how, um, calm it is, how, how safe it feels, how beautiful it is, and honestly, how rare that is to see. And it's because we don't know what to do. A lot of times it's not because we're not willing or not trying. It's because we find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what to do. And so thank you for your beautiful book. I just love it so much. So, um, Blythe, why don't you share with us first? Do you have a, a favorite scripture? I do. I love Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And I, I think the reason that I love it so much is just because no matter what we're going through, um, God sees us and knows us, and he has given us the opportunities before us, even beyond, you know, the abilities that we think about having or our relationships being repaired. But it's the verse, that, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I, I apply that to a lot of relationships and a lot of situations, but I think that for especially for relationships, that there's always a hope and a future, and that God knows what he has planned, and we can trust him. Yeah, that one makes me think I have two phrases that I really like. When I'm thinking about my marriage, I think God is fighting for my marriage. In other words, if God put us together, then he is fighting for the marriage to be a success. And when I think about our kids, I think God loves them more than I do. And as a mom, I know how much I love my children. I love my children so still very much, but I know that God loves them far more than I do, way beyond what I love them, and he can, he can help them, and he can give them so much more than I ever could even imagine, so it's such a beautiful verse to keep in mind 
when, especially like you say, in relationships mm-hmm. that God has a plan mm-hmm. in the future and it is good. It is good. Helen, how about you? You know, God does have a plan and boy, I have to tell myself that countless times a day because the world is in such a mess. And so <laughs> this is why a couple of years ago, my heart just connected so with Isaiah fifty-eight twelve, which is our diving board verse for the book Mended. And here's what it says. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you'll be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. So, girls, we have a real calling <laughs> to uh, ask God if he would help us to be repairers of the breach, because um, there are certainly ancient ruins around us. So that's that's my heart verse right now. Yeah. And as we close today, just that that one thing that we can always do that will always make things better, that will always help is pray um, as we come to God with whatever it is that we're struggling with, whether it's our relationship with our mother, daughter, whether it's anything in our lives. When we pray, it doesn't necessarily immediately change the circumstances, but it always changes our heart. And it helps us to remember these truths that we are placed here to be um, restoration, to provide the opportunity for God to work and that he has a good plan. This has been just a fantastic hour. Thank you, Blythe and Helen, for being here. What a delight. Thank thank you. you. (laughs) Thanks so much. You bet. And you guys want to check out their website, which is ourmendedhearts.com. You'll also find information about the book over there and encourage you to check that out at Our Mended Hearts. The book is called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. So it's such a delight to have you with us this afternoon for another edition of Perspective Transformation. But kind of today we went back to a former format that we use with Marnie's friends for a long time. I really enjoyed this. Hope you've had a good time. Let us know what you think about the show and share it around. Have a wonderful afternoon. See you next time. Bye-bye.